Many of us here are probably not aware that some of the most influential people the past 100 years were almost aborted. A quick Google search will yield an overwhelming list of names with their backgrounds. These include major figures such as Andrea Bocelli, Oprah Winfrey, Steve Jobs, the founder of Apple, NFL quarterback Tim Tebow, civil rights activist Jesse Jackson, and yes, even the late Saint Pope John Paul II, just to name a few. Now, can you imagine a world without these people? According to the CDC and the Guttmacher Institute, there are close to a million abortions performed every year in the United States alone. Around 1700 of these occur each day. And this doesn't include those undocumented quote illegal abortions. Kind of gives new meaning to the phrase the miracle of life. Just imagine in today's world a scenario where two elderly people conceive a child. Besides the fact that this occurrence would indeed be a miracle, I'm sure you can imagine their doctor, maybe their friends and their families scrambling to convince them not to have their baby. Not to mention it might be dangerous to the health of the aging mother. Now imagine if those parents were Elizabeth and Zechariah and John the Baptist had never been born. Of course, the question is entirely hypothetical, but its implications are important for us who live in a world where birth, life and death are written off as merely accidental, albeit meaningless. And I'm not just talking about atheists. Nowadays, Catholicism and other established forms of Christianity fall prey to popular cultural moral norms, the fusion of which some authors and theologians have called bourgeois religion. This type of status quo, bored, overly politicized Catholicism is especially dangerous to a genuine life of prayer and contemplation. God calls us to be witnesses, literally in Greek, martyrs, witnesses for truth, and to live counterculturally. In other words, not going along with the world, but against it. We know from our Lord's own mouth that we cannot serve two masters, God and Mammon. The difficulty, however, is in actually recognizing that we are indeed caught up in this type of toxic relationship. A quick aside to help illustrate how we got here. In the aftermath of the sexual revolution, there was a radical shift in the culture's attitude towards family life and religion. It was fundamentally a shift from an inherited traditional morality to a morality of individual choice. I'm sure many of us have heard the phrase cafeteria catholics, those who pick and choose which doctrines they like and which moral practices suit them, while disregarding other equally important aspects of the faith because they're challenging and inconvenient nature. For a long time now, it has been socially acceptable to divorce and contracept, both of which are still officially rejected by the Catholic Church. Soon thereafter, it was okay to cohabitate. 
And then the good, responsible people who run things even adopted an affirmative attitude towards, you guessed it, abortion. As I said earlier, so many of the faithful today are trapped between a worldly way of thinking on the one hand, while still going to church and receiving the sacraments on the other. Now, this doesn't make them bad people, but it does make them confused. The danger is that they never come to recognize the problematic nature of this false fusion of cultures, which only leads to spiritual confusion and ultimately boredom. The next logical step is giving up on God entirely, what we might call religious indifference, tepidity, or plain lukewarmness. And this is where we began with our earlier quandary. How can Christians really believe that birth, life, and death are meaningless? Well, maybe our average pew-sitter doesn't actually explicitly believe this, but how they live their lives outside of church. Now that's an entirely different story. This means we don't get to choose which doctrines and which moral teachings are appropriate to us individually, but to trust and accept the truth in its entirety as the church proclaims it. As we moderns know all too well, it became cruel, hateful, and, quote, bigoted to call something wrong that the bourgeois consensus now deems right. It takes a certain amount of courage to speak the truth and not give in to the world's ways of thinking. John the Baptist, of course, would learn this the hard way when he spoke out against Herod. First century Palestine was not much different from our 21st century. Political and religious alliances were as much a thing of the past as they are now. The Jewish church was in a crisis of identity, with their nation being taken hostage by the Romans and no major prophets around to help guide the people. Religious fervor had grown cold, and the parties of the Pharisees and Sadducees were at each other's necks all the time. All in all, it was not a good time to be a Jew. And yet, this is precisely the moment when Christ was about to reveal himself to the world through the arrival of his servant John. What the Nativity of John the Baptist proves us is that every single person is created by God for a specific and important purpose. But this purpose is not just a calling to fulfill our individual desires, which modern society tells us is the standard for determining what our path in life is. No, we exist for God and God alone. It is God who sets the standards by which we live our lives, not the other way around. So while we as Catholic Christians are at a point in history when there is a real crisis of faith in the Church, it is precisely now more than ever that we have the opportunity to reaffirm our radical commitment to the truth. Let us pray then as John the Baptist went before the Lord to prepare his people to receive Christ. We may, by his intercession and example, also make way for a new dawn of fervor and a flourishing of faith within the Church and the world.